The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. Well, as you know, once a month here on the Law Report, we run a legal clinic trying to answer a range of questions on a number of different topics. And tonight, it's again time to open the lines for you to ask that legal question that doesn't quite fit into the other topics we discuss here on the Law Report. And before we begin, a reminder that there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. If you'd like any of them, post a message on Facebook. But please remember to include your email address, or if you don't have access to Facebook, you can email me on law at safm.co.za and I can send you a copy of the list so you can choose what you want. But just a note in that regard, thanks to our dear friends at Telcom, for the second time in just under three weeks, I once again have no telephone and no ADSL line. So if you would mind being patient, they have told me that I hopefully will have all that back by the end of the week. So if you do send me an email and I don't reply to you before Friday, I'm not ignoring you. I just can't. So once again this evening, I'm joined by attorney Nicolene skuman Loan. She's a director of skuman Chaka Attorneys, Conveyances and Notaries Public. Nicolene, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, as you su- always. You were supposed to be with us last week, but we juggled yes. around because we were writing exams. You're almost as yes. bad as the matrix. They're all writing at the moment. <laughs> Was your exam as bad as the matrix? Oh, well, you know. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I think the older you get, the more you feel it, you know, like um, an exercise routine which you which you need to get into when you are our age. Oh, yes. Then, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as easy as it was when you were uh, a teenager. So. Right. Okay. Well, good luck with the results. I'm sure they're coming <laughs> <Thank> soon. <you. laughs> if you have any questions for us, you can call us now on 0892 2010 And don't forget Nicolene's favorite topic of all, wills so if you don't have one of those and you want some information or some guidance please give us a call because nicolene always loves to talk to you about that well we have two emails that we need to get through quickly before we start taking your calls the first one is from tim and he says he's a volunteer here in south africa he has been for the last 10 years he's volunteered for hiv aids projects and he says the project is recognized by the South African government at this time, but he needs a permanent residence permit so he can have peace of mind to be able to do what he enjoys, which is helping the poor and the disadvantaged. And he wants to know if there's any assistance that we can help him with. And uh, that's one of those really difficult ones. I know there's all these yeah. awkward Well, of course, we've, we've got these new regulations mm. that have recently been introduced. And um, to all accounts, it's causing a little bit of havoc in terms of its implementation and uh, call it general misunderstanding. Um, so at this point in time, we... I, for any listener out there, it's really prudent to approach a specialist in the field of immigration. And um, if there's a whole group of you, of course, to maybe consider doing it as a group, um, maybe you could get a better rate that way. Um, permanent residence depends on a number of factors, and there are a number of um, reasons for which you could make that application. It could be for a working uh, permit on, on that basis, and each one has their own requirements, really. So it could either be on a working relationship, a spousal relationship, uh, volunteering even. So it really depends on on the the underlying reason one is going to use for making the application and what requirements need to be met. But I always recommend to people with these new regulations um, and us aligning ourselves with some of the first world countries in that regard, make sure that you know how to complete the forms appropriately, have it checked by the specialist before you submit it, and make sure that whichever supporting documents you need to get is also checked through uh, the specialist attorney before 
you go and submit it at any home affairs. And you could find, I mean, there's lots of immigration attorneys, you can yes. find them. Yes, especially in Cape Town. I think we are geographically quite um mm. He uh, is in the Western well Cape. He's actually phoning, he emailed in from Worcester, so he's in the so Western Cape. I think best, best chance here is to contact the Law Society and to find out uh, which attorneys only specialize in that and who they can recommend. Okay, because that is a very specialist area of the law. Yes. If, if the only bit of advice I wish to add at this point is rather steer clear from these immigration consultants. Um, unfortunately, as with many other types of consultants, you don't know, always know what you're going to get. Um, and the department's also not very fond of these guys calling themselves immigration consultants. Um, back a few months ago, before the new regulations, you just had to do a, a short course in order to become an immigration consultant. But the new regulations are so complex, it's really uh, meant for someone with legal knowledge that specializes in the field. So an immigration attorney as yes. opposed to an immigration consultant. Right. Uh, this is a rather sad story. This is from Ashok um, in Durban. It says, my dad remarried in 1984 and in 1987 he passed away. According to my stepmom, my dad had no will, but my stepmom's brother said that my dad did have a will. I checked with the deeds office and there was a will with different spelling of my dad's signature on the will. At the time of their marriage, both of them had their old ID numbers starting with 800 and ending with 75A, according to Home Affairs. Uh, but then according to Home Affairs, they were not registered and do not have proper ID documents. My question is, is this legal and how did the transfer go through at this time? The house is in my stepmom's brother's name. My stepmom transferred the house to his name. Can, can I take this matter up as it's from 1987? So basically the stepmother transferred the house into her brother's name but there was a problem with their ID numbers or something and the different spelling of the dad's signature on the will and Home Affairs says they weren't registered and didn't have proper ID documents. That's obviously the old mm. ID numbers before they changed them. Now, see, so, A, there are quite a few challenges in this matter. Uh, well, the most obvious of all of them is the fact that it's happened so long ago. So if you were to start investigating the matter, you'll obviously have to start with the master's office, retrieve the file, which by this time is on all likelihood in some vault and hopefully hasn't gotten lost or misplaced or isn't complete any longer. Um, but okay, maybe maybe I'm being a bit pessimistic with the record keeping, but there's always a risk the longer something has been in storage in, in, in any institution really that it could um, not be accurate or complete any longer. When the file is retrieved, of course, one will then check the liquidation and distribution account as well as the, the will that is filed with the master. These two processes would have worked hand in hand. From the master's side, the master would have to sign certain documents which would also be lodged within the deeds folder um, when the property transfer took place. So ideally, you'll be, your point of departure would be to compare the two sets of documents and to see if there are any further discrepancies. Of course, the master is the authority that would have scrutinized these documents, and if it's the same will in both folders, then, of course, uh, one, one has to then uh, start asking the question, how did it slip through two systems, so to speak, if uh, on the presumption that something wasn't regular. Um, of course, it can be challenged. Uh, you will have to prove fraud, um, deception, misrepresentation, and it's quite a heavy onus, and because such a long time has elapsed, you don't really know what the quality of your witnesses will be like anymore. If they could remember if the witnesses who signed the will 
with the person are still alive because those people get called as witnesses in the court case to say, yes, we saw this person and yes, it is the signature. Maybe there aren't even any other documents to compare the signature on the actual will to. So there's so many variables um, when something has, has really had such a long history. And practically speaking, we also need to look if there was no will, then as we know, the law of intestate intestate succession will reign, which means that if there's a spouse, a surviving spouse, whether or not uh, you as the child are biologically related to that spouse, they are first in line together with all the surviving children. So if we were to undo all of this, one will also have to look at the practicality of that. If there was money involved, the money is in all likelihood been spent. If the property needs to be transferred to the children, in what state is the property? If you are to transfer it now, then this person is probably living there. Then you have an eviction on your hands. All sorts of um, legal costs and, and expenses. So I don't want to discourage the listener by not at least investigating the matter to satisfy himself that he knows what has happened and, and gets an understanding of how and why. But... Um, one really do, one do, does need to consider the practicalities and the costs. And from what I'm seeing here, um, I, I don't, I can't see how it, there can be any quick and cheap fix to this, okay. in simple terms. So, sorry, it's not such good news. <laughs> but I mean, if he wants to go and have a look, he's welcome yeah, to go and have a look. Yeah, it's public document. Mm. It won't cost you anything except for your time and a bit of patience to retrieve it from archive. And then, of course, to get copies from the deeds office, which is substantially easier than the master's office because they're much more electronic these days than the master's office is. Right. Well, if you'd like to call us, the number is 0892102010, 0892102010. And I have been asked to tell you that we're not taking labor law questions tonight. Apparently, we've had a few of those. And uh, two weeks' time, Michael Bagram will be back with us and we'll be taking labor law then. Next week, we're doing property law. And the week after that, we'll be doing labor law. So keep your labor questions for that night. But in the meantime, if you have any questions relating to anything else, mm. other than property or labor or anything that, that doesn't... Basically anything to do with general things like wills or families or anything like that you're yes, welcome to call welcome. us right and uh, Josephine Worcester good evening good evening Karen uh, seems to me I uh, become a regular on your show yes hello <laughs> welcome back <laughs> nice okay, to have you man. okay then I have a question regarding a pension fund is it the, 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 the okay to, to, to raise the question yes sure, yes, sure. Let's, let's see how far uh, we can get Okay. Uh, it's in connection with my sister-in-law. She works at the uh, Institute in Worcester mm -hmm. for 18, 19 years. Mm -hmm. She joined the pension fund and uh, recently she applied actually for early retirement, mm -hmm. which was approved uh, during uh, uh, health issues. Okay. And that's why she, she applied for uh, early retirement, which was approved, as I said. Mm -hmm. And uh, just recently, about two, three weeks, no, 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 two, three days ago, she only found out that they want to pay her out a portion, mm -hmm. like a three-quarter of her money. Mm -hmm. And then the others will be paid over 10 years a monthly. Yes. Now, she works night shift, and apparently when, when they do have meetings, it's during the day. And she was never informed about the, 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 the what you call it, the changes and everything of, of, of the fund. Mm -hmm. Now she wants to know what should she do, what is entitled to, because mm -hmm. apparently they even said that she can't claim UIF. 
and uh, she went to the labor uh, department and they said, no, 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 she is entitled to claim uh, UIF because of her money. But now what they want to do is they want to, to, to give her a portion, as I said, of a retirement fund or, or for pension, and then the others, in, uh, they want to pay in a monthly over 10 years. Are they entitled to do that or what is she entitled to do? Well, on, on the basis of the general regulations regarding pension funds, you mm-hmm. always get a lump sum on retirement, and it's usually two-thirds. But recently, um, there has been some new regulations which will be effective on the 1st of March next year, which mm-hmm. means that if your pension fund is valued less than a certain amount, you can get more than the two-thirds out in a lump sum, and the balance gets paid out as they call an annuity. So in a installment payment over a period um, of of how many years. Some funds work until death, some funds work past that. It depends on the actual fund's rules and how it's been structured. But overall, yeah. that's, that's a very common regulation and she won't really be able to withdraw the entire amount as a lump sum. Unfortunately, that's one of the drawbacks with um, pension funds. I know coming up also, we did a whole program on this a couple of months back. And even with the Provident Fund from next year, they're going to start that. But what you've had up in the Provident Fund up until that point, you can still take out. But it's anything after the 1st of March, I think, that then becomes part of this new regulation where you can only take out. Uh, you know, portion yes, yes, of it. They're yes, aligning yes, provident yes. funds to be exactly like pension as pension funds, funds yeah. and many people are of the view that it will make provident funds redundant uh, in terms of what they used to be in the past. Yes, that is what I understand. It just only comes into effect next year. That's mm. the provident fund though, Joseph, not the pension fund. No, what fund. I'm saying that the pension doesn't that come on? No, no that's just year. the amount um, that that you could take out as a lump sum is currently, and I stand to be corrected, 75,000 Rand. If your entire lump sum is less than that, you can take the whole amount. And mm-hmm. next year, that'll be more. That'll be 150,000 Rand. But, but again, I stand to be corrected on the exact rates. Um, that it's not really my field of, of um, oh, oh, expertise okay. in Joseph, terms of the yeah. regulation. But Joseph, the pension fund yeah. rules are have always been like yes. that. There's, there's, that's nothing new. Um, there's mm-hmm. nothing that's going to change with a pension fund payout. So if your sister mm-hmm. has a pension fund, these rules have been there since before, as they would say, since Pa fell off a bus, you know. And it's okay. been, it's always been like that. So this is nothing new. And the only change that's coming is to the Provident Funds yeah. next next year. And okay, also, so they will, they will, when they pay out the lump sum, they do deduct tax. Um, tax. So, Section you know, I think she that. should just go and sit with a financial advisor or someone that can explain to exactly how much in random sense she's going to take out. Or even someone okay. at the pension fund itself. They are usually quite uh-huh. helpful that way. But as Karen said, unfortunately, it's always been a rule of a pension fund. And as for UIF, as far as my knowledge goes, that only covers you for unemployment, not for retirement or if you resign from your job or yeah. so forth. You, you need to literally lose your job and be unemployed. So in essence, they are allowed to, to give a portion of a pension fund? Yes, and only okay. a portion. They can't pay out the whole amount. Unless it's under 75,000 rand. Yes. The total, the total more, pension. But if it is more than 75, they, they, they can do that. Yes, yeah, unfortunately. Oh. It's always been like that. Okay, thanks a lot, eh? Okay, Joseph. Nice to speak to you again. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you have any questions, 0892-10-2010. 0892-10-2010. Pumlani in Rosettenville, good evening. 
Hi, good evening, good evening, Karen. How are Hello, you? Very well, how are you? Fine, and thanks. And good. thank you so much for the show. And okay, actually, to make it short, I'm doing law also, but oh, I'm learning hmm. so much from you. Also. That's it's great. What, 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 how far are you? No, it's my second year, third year next year. Oh, well, good oh, luck good with luck. that. <laughs> yeah. Where are you studying? Mm, uh, wait, I'm studying Peru, UNISA. Oh, my goodness, you're very brave. It's very tough. You know, it is yeah. tough. Are you working at the same time? Yes, I'm working <gasps> full time. Oh, my goodness. How are you coping with all of that? Uh, it's my, my table currently. It's just a lot of books and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you have no life, basically. You work and uh, you study. You, you, you're right. You're correct. <laughs> so how can we help you this evening, Pomlani? Yes, uh, to make a long short uh, story short, uh, I bought a property, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it costed a couple of, I mean, hundreds of thousands. And then the problem was, uh, you know, I bought it in June. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, then my one, the currently I'm on, I was subjected to certain condition that I'm going to sell my existing one, then the other buyer is going to buy this one. And then I've got an offer and everything from that actual guy. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is, dated back from June up to now, it hasn't been transferred. The problem is, the, 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 the actual pages of the existing property, there's something they've called now, it's a flip side. Okay, I'm not sure if uh, you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. Which means uh, he's going to receive a certain portion from the bank. Mm-hmm. Such portion from charity. Mm-hmm. So he's quite short of that amount. And then, like, I, I don't know, how do I go about to make sure that they settle everything within that specific time? Is my question clear? Yeah, you, you're the house that you've sold, they, they, haven't, they haven't transferred it yet because he hasn't actually paid the full amount of money. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's correct, yes. And, oh. and it's been uh, going on since like, June, yeah. Yes, I've suffered a lot of, like, how can I say? Because, you know, like, there was a tenant who was actually staying in the actual product one I'm going to be buying. But uh, I've suffered a loss, in, in essence. So I thought it was going to be quicker as, like, mm. three months and everything. from. But now, dated back till now, it's been too long. Oh, of course. It's a long time. I mean, firstly, your your point of departure is usually to look at the deed of sale and to see what the financial requirements were. And usually it's uh, by way of payment of a deposit or a supply of a bank guarantee in addition to to whichever other grants or contributions um, the person may be entitled to. And if they've breached any of those provisions by not paying on time, you're fully within your rights to cancel that sale. But of course, the one sale is sort of um, piggybacking off of the other. They interlink to one another. So you always run the risk if you are going to cancel to, um, you know, lose the property you've actually committed to. If the seller is unwilling to negotiate and give you a little more time to sell it to someone else who may come up with the money sooner. Also, nothing precludes you from uh, instituting a damages claim against the person who's, who's um, uh, caused, been the effective cause of the cancellation. So... I think you need to consider your, your remedies. I mean, and you need to start mitigating your damages here. Uh, okay, it's fine. I'll try that. I even mean, like phone like the actual, uh, the law firm, the one who's going to doing the transfer. They say it's going to be in December. But now mm. I'm just counting from actual, uh, you know, that delayed time, the delayed mm. period, like from September up to mm. now, it's going to be around about three months, but mm. not considering the actual how can I say, the income that have lost because the tenant is actually evacuated, which means 2.5 per month. It's close mm. to 10,000 rand already have lost. Yeah. Was, was there anything in the contract that actually said that if he didn't come up with the money that they would pay maybe sort of like an interim payment for those yeah, like months? that The occupational rental, in other words. Mm, no, because oh. we thought everything was going to be from one source of a funder, like from mm. one specific bank. But now... 
it's like partly payment from the actual bank and partly payment from the treasury. So it's been, yeah, there's been some currencies received from actual bank, the one who's going to be funding him. But now, on a small portion that is short, they're saying it's been waiting and waiting and they say it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So I don't know. What what would his remedy be if he decided at some point, say about December, nothing had happened? Can he cancel the contract? Of course he can cancel, but... Um, but then, then he loses the house he's wanting to buy, I suppose. Yes, yeah. uh, because then the the sale of this property is the suspensive condition mm. which yeah, brings the yeah. other contract to life um, for those listeners who don't have a legal background. So if you take away the fulfillment of the suspensive condition, you rip out the mat underneath the, the feet, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it's a whole complicated issue to, to determine where does fault really lie and to compute damages and to start all over again. So in many instances, when a client has come to me with similar situations, I've said to them, do a mathematical calculation. How much are you out of pocket now? How much is yeah. still outstanding? Are you willing to say, Let's have the transfer go through and, and you enter into some other agreement in order to mitigate the continuing losses that you're suffering. At least you cap it then at a, this is what I could potentially be out of pocket for and mm. to see what your alternatives are. But it's never yeah. easy. I, I would recommend that you that you have maybe call on someone to help you look through the deed of sale. Um, it's a fairly standard clause to actually build into it to um, have... Uh, occupational rental, as they say, be paid. It's for instances like this when people have, are running into all sorts of financial troubles and delays that you as the seller do not suffer yeah. from a loss of rental or if they're using the property and ringing up all sorts of accounts while in there that you at least mitigate your damages. So maybe it's something to consider to do an addendum to your contract when this yeah. person agrees to pay you an X amount of money per month on top of the selling price. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's so I, I would forward. consider those kind of those yeah. kind of remedies. Yeah, before cancellation. Like, yeah. Okay. Good luck, Pomlani. Thanks a lot. And good luck with the studies. Good luck with the studies. Okay. Thanks for calling. Good night to you. Bye bye. And Pomlani was actually in KZN. We got a bit confused there for a moment. Philemon's in Rosettenville. Philemon, good evening. Yeah. Good evening, Karen. Hi. How can we help you, Philemon? Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, yes. Um, somewhere in June, I was involved in an accident. In fact, it was a, a collision. Uh, I was actually tra- traveling. I was about to take a, a turn on my left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And the other guy was on the right. And the, the arrow was actually directing him to go straight. But he decided to turn left. So he hit me uh, on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. So the guys uh, from Metro, they came, they took uh, the statement and so forth. And rather, they gave me the case number. But, but I thought they were going to refer the matter to the police. Uh, when I phoned them, they told me that, no, if uh, no one was uh, injured, they don't refer such matters to the police. I must actually speak to the guy to uh, re- to fix my car. Mm-hmm. But the guy told me that, no, I cannot actually tell him to fix my car no, as an ordinary citizen. Right? This is something that should be done by the law enforcement agency. Now, how do I handle such a matter? That's, uh, you, you're confusing that's, me completely here, Philemon. That does not sound right at all. No, completely not. Um, well, 
if if police are on the scene, of course they need to take your statement and open Metro case, and case. telling him that he, yeah they didn't report it to the SAPS basically yeah, I think course. is what he's saying yeah but you of need course. to report it to SAPS to get a case number yes and you can do, still do that at any time because from an insurance perspective if if the other guy is insured the insurance is going to require that case number in order to process the claim did you take his details. The guy yeah, that I made did, the accident. I did take the details of the guy. And okay, also so you've the, got the guys from Metro, they do have the, the case number from their side. Okay. But I, yeah, but when I wanted to find out if they referred the matter to the police station, they told me that, you know, it was not referred because no one was injured. No, well, I think then go go yourself and, and do make the report and, and make reference to their case number for, uh, even if it's only for sake of completeness, they, they aren't always interlinked. Um, and then, of course, your next steps will be to try and get this person to, to pay for your damages. And okay. if they don't, then um, unfortunately, you'll have to get yourself an attorney and issue a summons to, to recoup these amounts. Was he insured, the other guy? Uh, they are, uh, he didn't tell me whether he's insured or not. Well, usually, you need to find out. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, try and, and, and keep in contact. And also, and I don't want to scare you, but what often happens is um, the people causing the accidents often go to the police on own accord. And then they don't exactly tell the whole truth when they report the matter. So if okay. it becomes an insurance matter, then it sort of uh, becomes a whole investigation because what really happened wasn't always recorded by the other person who went and reported it. So rather go there while your memory is still fresh and everything. Okay. But you must go and do it yes. yourself, Philemon, and get a case number from SAPS. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll get the case number. Okay. Good luck. Okay, Thanks, Philemon. Good luck to you. Good night. Bye-bye okay, now. Bye. Paul in East London, good evening. Uh, good evening to you, ladies, and thanks for a great, great show. Thank you. Pleasure. How can we help you, Paul? Um, I don't know if it's within your scope tonight, but I'd just like to inquire what one can do with regards to expunging a criminal record. Well, you, you can make an application for, um, well, essentially it's also a rescission of judgment in, in civil terms. I'm not a specialist criminal defense attorney, but those, if you can show good grounds, you are most welcome to make an application through an attorney. And essentially, it goes the same route as a rescission of judgment in a civil case. Is there a thing with how many years since the it, There is the usually, judgment? depending, of course, on, on the nature of the offence. If it's a first offender, all these, these um, aspects are taken into consideration. So it would be best to, to seek the advice of a specialist criminal defence attorney. Usually drunk and driving and, and related kind of um, um, records are, are usually easier to deal with. Yeah, so so uh, where would uh, the attorney, uh, you know, who would he approach or how does he go about uh, getting it expunged? As far as I know, it's something with the National Prosecuting Authorities. Oh, so it's something to do mm. with National Prosecuting mm. Authorities. Mm. Okay. Now, because somebody uh, has informed me that they applied and um, everything was expunged except one particular case, and that case dated dates back to about 12 or 13 years now. Oh, no, that shouldn't shouldn't still be on on the record. No, unless it was a very serious yeah, case. Yes, of course. It, it, it was uh, apparently previous bodily harm, a case of that uh, an assault. Unfortunately, is is in the, in the space of seriousness. Um, I I think that person should rather get themselves a, a specialist to look into it, and at least if if it's just a second opinion to explain to them why it wasn't um, expunged in the right. first place. Yeah, because he apparently applied and and whatever other uh, you know. Uh, 
black marks he had against mm. him. All that was expunged except one case, and that uh, happened to be the first case ever that he had against him. Okay. Paul, a couple, unfortunate. Uh, Paul, a couple of weeks ago, um, we had William Booth, and he's a top criminal yes. attorney. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he's very keen to come back. So I'm hoping to have him back again in, after Christmas once I come back from leave in January. Okay. So if you like, I have we do have your number. If you'd like us to keep you on file and uh, give you a call when, when William's on, and you can chat with William because he'll know exactly what that's all about. Exactly. Uh, excellent, because there's no urgency about it. But, uh, you know, the guy asked me to try and make some inquiries on his behalf and see who he can approach in that. So that'll help me. No end. Okay, no well, we've got your number. We'll keep you on record, and we, I'll, um, yeah, I'll give you a call just before the show, just to let you know that it's coming on, and we'll call you. And that night, we'll have William Booth on, and you can chat with him. Okay. In the meantime, have a good Christmas Thanks. and festive season you when too. it comes Do around. You. Thanks, Paul. Good night. <laughs> bye bye. Can't believe it's almost the end of the year again. I'm looking very forward to my leave. Let me tell you. I think <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> but it'll be nice. It's planned exam. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cisa in Port Shepston. Good evening. Hello, ma'am. How are you? Hello, very well. How are you? Yes, yes, yes. It's your sister from Fajestin. How can we help you? Yes, ma'am. I, I just need some help here. My, my, my wife, uh, before we were married, she, she bought a house in a township in, in Fajestin. She bought a house from, 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 the, uh, from the owner, but what they did, they didn't go through via the lawyers. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they agreed, like, privately. And okay. then they went to the to the police station. They, then they wrote uh, what you call an affidavit, mm-hmm. agreeing that uh, 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 she was going to pay a certain amount to a certain uh, to to this owner. And then what happened? She did pay in, in, in pay this amount in, in installment mm-hmm. to this owner. Uh, it was in 2005. She paid it, uh, uh, but by 2006 she finished it, and then she she and her family entered the house. Mm-hmm. But what she did not do, she did not go through via the lawyers mm. but around about 2009 there were some uh, what you call uh, uh, raids that 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 this, this uh, previous owner was owing amounting to sort of like 19 20000 rand sure. and she she and she paid those uh, uh, raids too but uh, uh, recently i think this year if i'm not mistaken this year uh, uh, the owner has died in fact unfortunately the owner the owner the previous owner has died now recently this year uh, uh, I think his grandson came in now. Uh, uh, when when we told them, when when me and my wife told him the story, apparently they did not uh, re- uh, recognize the story because right now we are trying to to make sure that you want to, want to 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 do the transfers, but now we can't do the transfers. They said you must go to the owner, uh, the grandson. They said now they they're not sort of like convinced with the story. You know the family story. Mm-hmm. They sort of like not convinced, so to say. Now we are we are we are wondering how can we we, we remedy the situation because. It's like we do have the slips of all the the, the, the money that were paid to the to, to the owner and the, the 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 copy of the affidavit and all the other things that were done by both of them. But the problem is that the, the transfers through the lawyers were not done. Well, at least you kept all the records, which is a really positive, um, which is really positive. So mm. I would recommend that you try and negotiate with them. Um, okay. That would be first prize and. The, in terms of costs, of course, mm. and if you can sign a proper deed of sale, even mm. if it's one that you buy from a news agency, I don't like those documents, mm. but um, at least it has all the basics in those agreements that the deeds office and SARS and all these government institutions require to facilitate the transfer. Mm. So ideally, if you could get an attorney to help you draft a proper contract, that would be best. 
But okay. a close second is, of course, getting a template from an estate agent or a news agency. Okay. If, if I can ask, the, 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 do they have grounds to, so, uh, so, to, so to say to, to, to remove them from the house? Um, remember, in the eyes of the law at this stage, all that is seen is the fact that you are not the owners of the house. Mm. Um, and... Of course, there's a quite a logical explanation in terms of what you've given us, and you've got all the paperwork. So first price would be to negotiate and peacefully, amicably uh, reach an agreement and do the transfer, get a proper contract in place and do the transfer through the attorneys. If that fails, your only other remedy would be to take all of those documents, go to an attorney and bring a court application, which will then give you the right to do the transfer. That's a much more aggressive route, and it would probably be much, uh, there would be much more conflict and costs involved. But mm. at the end of the day, if you can prove your case, you've got all the paperwork, then it's a question of either you can do it the easy way, if everyone cooperates, and if that fails, then, then you have no alternative but to approach court. And then the court will actually authorize you to do the, the transfer oh, okay. in the deeds office. Okay. Okay. But it's okay. very good that you've kept all the records. I think that's very positive. Because the problem is that I don't know what, what what do they call the person who who who's responsible for the for the decision. I don't know. The, the executor. Yes, 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 yes. Because now if we try to get that person, uh, it's sort of like it's a duck and dive. No one wants to come out of the to say who's the executor is oh. executor. Uh, you see. No, I think um, uh, while while this is still relatively peaceful, um, mm -hmm. maybe um, get a family council type of. Um, group together with, with mediators mm -hmm. that are somewhat impartial but still within the friends family circle and mm -hmm. then try and resolve it peacefully and amicably if you can't do that then uh, then approach an attorney and go to court you've got all the evidence yeah is there any way he can he can't access the 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 estate in the is it public record can he go and see who the executor is yes yes of course um but at this stage the executor sees that property as part of the deceased estate. Mm. So, of course, if the executor is someone you could reason with, um, mm. other than this this uh, son or the grandson, grandson. Um, then maybe that's, that's an avenue to explore. But at the end of the day, if no one wants to listen, your only recourse will be to go to court. Mm. So, do you know who the executor is? That's what, that's what we were trying to do, to, 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 to get the executor so that because we, we, we did get a hold of the father of the grandson that is Mm. That is trying mm. to, 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 to facilitate this thing. But now we do not get exactly who exactly is he like the, the executor. Okay, because we want to, to, to have that negotiation. Because we, on our side, we are willing to do the negotiation. Okay, see, yeah, we see, so you can actually go to the master's office. Yes. The, the oh. will is actually a, a, a document of public record. Oh, so you okay. can actually go there and request a copy of the will. Yes, um, but and not everyone would have a will. Um, mm. But at that stage, you uh, would be able to ask anyone at the master's office to give you the document which would contain the appointed executor's name on. An executor oh. may, in, in, in ideal circumstances, is, is um, nominated in a will. But if the person didn't have one or the person who they nominated couldn't take the appointment because they're ill or maybe have passed on already, mm. then they would nominate someone else from the family. Mm. So... 
the best would be to take the ID number of the deceased person, which you should have on that affidavit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then go to the master's office, use the ID number to get the file, and then mm. ask someone at the master's office to help you identify who the executor is. Okay, so to take clarity is that the master's office is the deed office, deed office. No, 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 it's two separate offices. They both in government, both uh, part of government, but mm. um, or public office rather, um, uh, and the but. But it's more. Um, it's it's definitely more. It's definitely very separate from one another. He's in Port Shepston. So where would the master of this? It's the master of the Supreme Madison. Court. Yes, it would probably be in Port Shepston. Would be pro probably closer to Durban. Peter Maritzburg is saying. Or Ma Maritzburg. Yeah, yeah, the master of the Supreme two. Court, the master's office, and you have to. That's where it's not the deeds office, but you need to go to the master's oh, okay. office, okay. and then you can find out who the executor is. Okay. Then contact them maybe. Instead okay. of, of the heirs who are just waiting to, to receive, you yes, know? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been so helpful to me. Thanks, man. Thanks, Sivasisa. Good Pleasure. luck to you. All the Thanks. best. Thanks a lot. Bye. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice. Bye-bye. Mponki and Limpopo, good evening. Oh, Nicolene's favorite yeah. topic. Hello. 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 Good, good evening. <laughs> Hello. You've got Nick. You want yeah. to talk about Nicolene's favorite thing, wills. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> about the wills, basically. I'm one of the people living a risky life of... Uh, being likely to die interstate, but oh my goodness, no, no, don't no, say no, no, yeah, no, this is what is motivating me. Uh, Good. At sunrise, I could quickly go and do my will, but Good. I want to ask this question specifically regarding wills. Mm -hmm. Yes, what is the maximum amount percentage wise that should be allocated to a wife married uh, in community of property, has two kids in marriage, and others outside wedlock? Okay, well, yes. r remember. A marriage in community of property means you and your wife jointly own all the assets and yeah. liabilities that you have at That's this point in time. Yeah. So generally, she'll be entitled to write down the middle split, half of whatever you have and whatever she has, you will have so a plan. Is, is that the explicit answer? Mm. 50% of what I have is 50%, yeah. Is that's that's by virtue of the marriage in community of property. Now, if you are the sole provider, the breadwinner, then she may also have a spousal claim in terms of the Maintenance of Surviving Spouses Act, which means that if she has no um, way to sustain herself after you were to pass and you try to disinherit her, then she would be able to, to claim. So... It's always best to do these, to do the planning together, and to see how much you could leave for the children. Because again, you've got a duty to maintain all your children in and out of wedlock. Yeah. Um, so the the child also has a right to to um, be maintained and to be cared for. So it's good to to sit with someone and to plan it properly. Well, I see, but uh, am I eligible? Let's let's say to apportion a, a larger amount to a youngest child outside wedlock if perhaps I had one. Yes, of course. But who's, who's the youngest? But you can't disinherit the 50% she's automatically entitled to by the marriage in community. Oh, so There's the 50% is gone already. So you can work with the other 50%. <laughs> I see. The, the spousal thing a support that you've just explained it has answered the rest of the questions that I wanted to ask as well. And thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks, All the best. Thank you. Good luck. And, and I'm glad you are thinking about your will. We need Definitely. more people like you out there thinking about the will. Indeed. Thank you. Thanks for the call.
Good night to you. Now, see, that's, that's always becomes a problem. There's all these children and there's a wife and he dies intestate. And then there's, I mean, it's, it's just a slight nightmare. No, of course. And, and the people that get chucked into one pool together to yes. resolve all of this don't necessarily like one another no. very much. So no. it really does pave the way to, to very much avoidable family disputes unless in many you, cases. Unless you really don't like your family, you're actually looking for some drama, <laughs> don't leave a will. But trust me, it's not, not a good course. thing. Don't try your best not to die without leaving a will, please. Right, Mulligan in Cape Town, good evening. Uh, good evening, um, Karen and your guest. Hi, how can Hi. we help you? Um, I have a concern for members of the public who still do not know that uh, since the inception of the Consumer Protection Act in 2011, mm -hmm. um, they can no longer be uh, forced to... Uh, be bound by a fixed deposit contract with a bank. Mm -hmm. I have had a situation uh, of a senior citizen who is a client of mine recently. Um, mm -hmm. She had just gotten into the bank to ask them if they can assist with uh, um, investing her money. Mm -hmm. um, someone at the bank uh, advised her, you know, conveniently to put the money in a fixed deposit. And when I learned about it, I had no problems with the fixed deposit. I only had a problem with the fact that when she felt that she didn't want to go through uh, to the end of the term and she wanted her money, she went into the bank and they were shunting her from pillar to post. Long story short, they threw uh, the wrong book at her to say that she has signed that uh, um, she will only get the money at the end of the term, which would have been, I think, something like three years. Mm -hmm. um, and so only when I went to the bank with her and I asked them, uh, has, 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 has it been that no one in this bank um, has, has, hasn't heard about the CPA and that uh, the fixed term agreements are subject to review by that act? And mm -hmm. only then uh, did they remember, it checked up their memory, and they paid her money immediately. And so when I left the bank on that day, her money was back in her account that she could invest it the way she wanted to. But I'm just concerned for members of the public that are, that are still being strung along by banks, particularly where the fixed uh, deposit product of the bank is concerned. Oh, that's a very valid point that you're making. And not only is this a problem within the banking industry and insurance industry, who, by the way, had to align themselves with the provisions of the Consumer Protection Act after its inception, um, it's also quite a quite a problem with commercial lease agreements, with yeah. residential lease agreements, with mobile contracts, with gym contracts, member, yes, all those gym things. memberships, <laughs> anything with a fixed term. Um, if you're a private person, um, it's a bit more complicated when it comes to businesses. But if you're a private person, you can give that notice that you want out of that fixed term contract. And yeah. there's no enforcing the remainder of the lease term or as the mobile providers like to do to make you pay for your entire remainder of your contract so you can keep your hand set. That's usually how they sell it. Um, it's, it's really a big problem. And I... I thank you. I think it's a val very valid point. Uh, just one last, well, one last question. Then, in, in in the event that we are we are becoming aware, and you are also aware that uh, there are institutions that are blatantly violating that or conveniently feigning ignorance, what is the recourse for the members of the public? Well, the Consumer Commission and the Tribunal has been um, has been uh, created to try and 
resolve these disputes. And for the members of the public, it's really a question of having to speak up. Yeah. And if, if something like this is happening to you, um, we need to learn, I think, as South Africans to to complain about bad service and to not be not to be as content as we are with with some of these things that are happening. Um, The big providers, whether it's the banks or the mobile providers or or whoever really, are so big that you're just a number. And in in many instances, some of them also feel that even if you do complain, you know, is it really going to hurt them? So the only way that you can, can really protect yourself and the general public is by people actually using this piece of legislation to their advantage and to insist on good, sound, transparent customer service. As simple as that. And if if you know of someone that that is going through this to to encourage them to go and complain and to use these mechanisms, of course, there are always people that use these mechanisms um, wrongfully. So the sword sort of cuts both ways, as as it says. but generally speaking, I, I think as South Africans, we need to we need to start being less content with bad service. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for Thank getting you for the through, comment. Mulligan. Thanks a lot. I actually heard a, a very bizarre story on the news this morning about a woman who's this was in England. Um, talking about cell phone providers whose husband passed away and mm. it was two months after he'd taken out a cell phone contract. So she tried to cancel the contract and they weren't having any of this. And she then had to go in. She took the death certificate in. That wasn't good enough. Then she'd had to take the funeral service notice in. That wasn't good enough. Eventually, it ended up her taking his ashes because he was cremated. She ended up taking the urn with his ashes to the cell phone provider's office and said, well, wh- now what do you what do you want me to do? And somebody commented, maybe that you should have just left it and let them sue, sue, you, sue him and then see what would have happened. Mm. And then someone said, well, unfortunately, they'd already threatened her with the sheriff of the court and all sorts of things. So, you know, That's but horrendous. I mean, this, was, this is what, so it's not only us that has this problem. Mm. I mean, this poor woman was, you know, she the husband had died and she could not get them to understand that he was no longer needing the cell <laughs> phone. He was dead. Oh my! And, you know, I, so it's not only us. This no, definitely happens, not. You know, I, everywhere. I think it's 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 definitely not just a South African no. problem. But um, generally speaking, South Africans don't complain about bad service when it happens. You should have seen me this um, morning when my, <laughs> my phone went down again for the second time in less than three weeks. If you weeks. go to any mm-hmm. restaurant, people are very happy to complain amongst themselves oh, no. or after they leave the establishment about we are not going back there. But the point is, as a provider, I think it's much more constructive if someone is unhappy that they tell you about it, so that you are in the position as a provider to do better. Although as I have had occasions <laughs> where I have actually complained and actually had a very rude response from from people, oh, from restaurant owners, which has been very unfortunate. So, but I, I'm not very doing, I, as you can hear, I don't stop talking. So <laughs> I, I'm not likely to stop when I'm unhappy either. So, you know, right. Um, Patrick in the Northwest Province, good evening. Good evening, and how are you? Very well, Hi. how are you? I'm fine. How can we yeah, help I've got, you? I've got the question about the, the men's pension fund. Yes. Mm-hmm. My, my father used to work at the mine in Google Top, but the mine was closed, uh, I think, in the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. So this year, in October, I went to, to Deva. So they told me all the money has been transferred to Alexander Forbes in Mm-hmm. So they gave me the uh, copies of service I went to Alexander Corps when I arrived there. They told me, no, this information does not appear on the system. 
do or where else can I go? Well, usually the, the pension fund provider, whoever is the manager of the fund, um, regardless of the institution, should be able to give you the information. If they don't have it on their records, then unfortunately you'll have to go back to the employer. And it's always problematic when the employer is no longer around and the fund has been transferred from one person to the next. In fact, I, I've dealt with a similar matter not too long ago, um, also from, from a client who, who had this transfer happening. He left his uh, previous employment subsequently the previous employer um, closed down and the fund had been transferred to a number of managers and it was an absolute nightmare to actually get the pension um, transferred into his yeah. new fund so long story short if you can't get any love from the employer if you can't get any love from you say alexander forbes then your only recourse would be to approach the pension funds adjudicator who is quite useful, I must say, in expediting these claims. They're, they're very professional. Pension from adjudicator. Yes, and it's an ombud structure, so you can do that yourself online. You or can you find can, them on the internet. Just yes. go into the internet and look for pension funds adjudicator. Yeah, PFA. I'm in the Northwest. Where can I go now? Sorry? In the northwest, uh, do you have any number? No, you you just look look them up on the internet because if have you got access to the internet, Patrick? Or in the internet? Yes, mm. and then you can actually fill in the form and everything yes. online. You can do everything on the computer. You don't have to go anywhere. Okay, no. And then you can just tell them the whole story on the mm. online on the they their forms on there. Yes, it's very very speedy. I must say they're very very much um, they're very professional. Okay, it doesn't man. cost you anything. You don't need an attorney or anyone to help you. Okay, All right. All the best. I hope you get the result you're looking for. Okay, Thanks, Patrick. Good night to you. Right. Yeah. I think our last caller for the evening, William in Pretoria. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Hello. How can we help you, William? Uh, uh, I just want to find out uh, regarding the bit of sales. Uh, because my father-in-law passed away uh, in 2009. Mm -hmm. Then uh, uh, my daughter, uh, the lawyer, that they were busy uh, transferring the, the sale of the house, mm -hmm. uh, did go to my daughter, and then uh, uh, my daughter filled in the, the forms for the sale of the house. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was in March, and then uh, when my daughter phoned the lawyer, asked when uh, are they going to pay the the the, the money. Mm -hmm. The lawyer told her that uh, she must uh, he must meet with the magistrate. You know, stories, mm -hmm. stories, stories, and then two weeks ago. I went to the law society to lodge a, a complaint. Mm -hmm. So I just want to find out the uh, time frame for the law society uh, to 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 contact the lawyer. Well, um, I, I can't speak for the law society of the northern provinces, which is the one you would fall under. 
but um, in in Cape Town, when someone lodges a complaint within the same month, it is sent to the attorney, and then the attorney usually gets two to three weeks to respond to the complaint. And once they've responded, they send the attorney's response to the complainant, yourself in other words, and you then have another chance to comment on anything that the attorney may or may not have said. Um, and then they refer it to their committees and they make a decision as to whether or not the person needs to be disciplined or fined or whatever the case may be. So it's usually the, the back and forth and all of that takes about three months. And then it's at the committee for the Law Society Committee for Decision Making. And over here, I'm sorry to say that takes months, the decision making from the Law Society. So it's not a quick fix. It's not a quick fix, unfortunately. And you, you must understand that they do receive quite a lot of complaints. Some of them are legitimate and some are not. The legitimate ones tend to need a much, a much more work and investigation, and it, it tends to cause a bit of a bottleneck, for lack of a better word. So best you can do is to keep in constant contact with the Law Society. I'd say give it two more weeks and then find out if they've sent it to the attorney and when you can expect a response. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Best William. Of luck. Good luck to you. Okay, good, bye. Good night to you. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Yeah, we we must actually sort of try, maybe get a list. I'll maybe have a list of all the ombud people, and there's lots yes, of and we have them here, and then that. sort of yeah, because we we I had a, did a program during the course of the year with the financial ombud who yes, also, and and but then it turned out he couldn't deal with this issue because that was a different ombud, and I did, realized that night that there was there were more ombuds than I'd ever dreamt of. There was an ombud pretty much for everything. Yes, so and these structures are there to benefit the absolutely. public to, to try and resolve things without having to mm. go to court unnecessarily and having to incur all these these massive accounts. So if you have a claim and it's legitimate and you can prove it, not everything can be solved through an ombudsman because sometimes can, you, yeah. you need to have the cross-examination and the testing mm. of the truth, as they say, but... Overall, it's a good structure. When I've got a minute and I have a computer line or something that I can look stuff up with on my ADSL, <laughs> which isn't working, I'll get hold of a list of all of those. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Nicolene Skumann-Learn. She's a director of Skumann Chaka Attorneys, Conveyances and Notaries Public Practicing here in Cape Town. And she's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report program. And we'll be running legal clinics like this one on the second Monday of every month. This month was different because Nicolene was writing exams last week. <laughs> and I hope we, we hope that we you luck for those results you Thank said hopefully you so next much. week hopefully next week so by the time we see you next time we'll know whether you passed yes and then right. it, i'll be smiling from ear to oh. ear i'll be frowning uh, she's from, all depressed from ear know. To she ear. didn't do too well <laughs> <laughs> well nicolene will be back with us again for another law clinic on monday the 8th of december gosh I, the year is finished i can't believe that well, the law report is on the air on safm every monday evening between 9 and 10 and just a reminder that there's a list of available documents on the facebook page law on safm if you'd like any of them post a message on Facebook but please remember to include your email address or if you don't have access to Facebook you can email me on law at safm.co.za and I can send you a copy of the list so you can choose what you want and if you
you didn't hear me say in the beginning, thanks to idea friends at Telcom, I have no phone or ADSL lines. Second time in less than three weeks. So if you do send me an email or anything, please don't think I'm ignoring you. I just can't answer you at the moment. Hopefully by the end of the week, they said, I should have that all back. So I'll answer you then. Well, in next week's program, I'll be joined in studio by property attorney Ishmael Mohammed. So if you have any property related questions, join me for that. Well, that's the law report next Monday, the 24th of November. And I'll be back again with you tomorrow evening, just after nine with Health Matters. Well, Stephen Kirk is up now with some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.